Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Paul Kaharski will be with us in an hour. We'll go live to Titans training camp for the very latest on the Tennessee Titans and practice day number two. David Reed and Jacob Swanson making the show happen for us. Lance Lee uh, will join the show a bit later. Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny also down the halls. We broadcast live from Blackbird Studio. Theblackbirdacademy.com is where you can find more information on how you can attend the Academy to go to school to become a studio engineer, audio engineer. You can go on the road for concerts, in studio, for all of that production. TheBlackbirdAcademy.com. Chad, good morning. Good morning. Um, you know, there's a line, I believe, in one of the Batman movies about there's some people who just want to watch the world burn. I think that's from Dark Knight, and I was describing the Joker. Yeah. Part of me really respects the Big 12 now, Hutton, because <laughs> they just want to watch it all burn at this point. Because they're done, they know it, they're threatening to sue ESPN, they're going all in on this. And I think that our show especially can appreciate that mentality. And part of me really likes the fact that the Big 12 is just saying, screw it, we're done, we're going after everyone, everyone else, we know where the bodies are buried, we're tired of ESPN manipulating the sport. And this is what we're going to do. And I like that. Well, so the SEC votes today. Yep. They have a meeting today. 14-0. To vote. Yeah, okay, you've predicted the 14-0. 14-0. It's Texas already out there that A&M is, is the Board of Regents already recommended to the president, vote yes. So the Big 12 yesterday, if you missed this story, as a conference, they sent ESPN a cease and desist to do away with any communication with the conference itself, uh, to stop communicating with other conferences about the Big 12. Uh, the cease and desist is just... Don't say our name anymore is essentially what they're saying. Don't cover us. Uh, don't contact any of our schools. And uh, while the ESPN has denied these allegations, the Big 12 and Bob Bowlesby, Chad, they've been saying that ESPN behind the scenes has been manipulating the conference, trying to tear them down and send them essentially a cease and desist to do away with the conference so they would control the member institutions in a, another conference. In this case, it would be the American conference. ESPN has denied that, but the, 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 the Big 12 in their meetings definitely discussed this, and, and they've determined ESPN was also heavily involved in the SEC talks with, with Texas and Oklahoma. makes total sense because ESPN looks at the big business model, and they see what can be and what is now a super conference that will likely add more member institutions, and that's where we're going to pick up the story and advance it coming up in about 15 minutes. Chad's... Uh, super conference idea for the SEC and what it could mean monetarily for member schools, for ESPN, for premium programming, what fans would be willing to pay uh, for those streaming rights, and, and a lot more. We're going to detail that coming up in about 15. It's, uh, it's a crazy time. I was not expecting the American Athletic Conference 
to be the one making a play with this. I don't have the contracts in front of me. I don't know what ESPN has done that's criminal that the Big 12 could go after. They're looking out for their best interest from a business standpoint, just like the Big 12 and the SEC and every other conference looks out for their best interest. I'm sure they violated some sort of um, contract, Well, considering that they have a partial agreement with the Big 12 also, right? There's got to be some sort of violation of contract if – and I, I believe this from the beginning. Of course ESPN is talking to other conferences and telling them, even through back channels, hey, here's how you can make more money. Here's what you should do. I'm sure they're talking to the AAC. I'm sure AAC is talking to Big 12 schools, repeating to them what they heard from the ESPN, from ESPN about the benefits of, of leaving that conference and joining another one. I think right now it's a bunch of hollow threats. I like it. It spices things up. But I'm not really sure what the Big 12 could do well, this is, in terms of a lawsuit with ESPN looking out for their business interests. They can't do anything, right? No. And, and, and they know that, that they're done for. Unless they add more member institutions, uh, as it stands right now, I, I, you, don't, you don't see that league as survivable. And we've detailed the, the, the monetary reasons why. Dennis Dodd put out in his weekly column or earlier this week that by Texas and Oklahoma leaving, the overall value of the conference drops by 50 to what could be 75% overall for the, the true value of the Big 12. Bowlesby, in the letter to ESPN for, uh, to stop all communication with the league's existing conference members, it also includes any NCAA conference regarding its members, possible conference realignment, or potential financial outcomes associated with realignment. Bowlesby told, uh, he told uh, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated that he has documented evidence that ESPN tried to encourage an unnamed conference to add Big 12 members in an effort to destabilize the league. Uh, Dellinger has said that that unnamed conference is the American. And the quote from Bowlesby to SI, it causes me to further suspect ESPN had their hands all over the Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC. They were deceptive as you could possibly be. There are right and wrong ways to do these things. They sought to deceive us from the very beginning. ESPN's quote to SI was, these allegations have no merit. But the Big 12 is saying that ESPN is actively trying to cause, the quote was, chaos and panic. And when I, when I read that, I'm thinking, okay, from the business side of things, think about what we just saw from Greg Sankey and the SEC. The foresight as the NCAA took a step back, threw their hands up and said, this is up to the conference and the member institutions to determine NIL. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to be on the outside looking in. We don't need to be relegating these things. They, they, we saw the SEC, we, we saw Greg Sankey step up and take over as the leader in this area, the leader in moving forward into these super conferences. We're also seeing the same thing from ESPN. ESPN from the digital space and ESPN Plus, they're stepping up and creating, knowing that they have the 2025 agreement that's about to happen with the SEC, they're now creating more value for that overall package because no one else is stepping up into the space to do it. And if they don't, they know someone else will. If the SEC didn't take Texas or Oklahoma, they knew some other conference would step up and do it. And I, I can't fault ESPN for this. This is the business winner-take-all model of college football and college athletics right now. 
Hutton, you're hitting on some key points. We're going to get into this a little bit later, and I've got some, some things to show everyone in terms of streaming services and just how profitable one could be with a super conference that is now the SEC. I also want to go to this point, and uh, this was a great article from um, Andy Staples and Nicole Arbach from The Athletic. And it goes back to January of 2019 to get into the psyche of Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey, a voracious reader. And he likes to share some of the books that he's been reading on social media. And he was asked about this in January leading up to an Alabama-Clemson National Championship game, early January 2019. The book that he shared that he was reading at the time is The Club, How the English Premier League Became the Wildest, Richest, Most Disruptive Force in All of Sports. And this article goes through comparing in the early 90s what the English Premier League did to separate themselves from everyone else and how they formed a super conference and a super league and they looked out for their own interest. And it's great going point by point with this book and then what the SEC is doing now and saying, does this sound familiar? You've got a, a local, yokel, rabid, grassroots fan base historically, that then rises up and becomes the global leader in this. Does this sound familiar with the SEC? Looking out for your own television rights, not letting someone else dictate it to you. Does that sound familiar? I thought the article was, uh, was great. And when you compare the two, there's a lot of similarities. I don't think this would be happening if Jim Delaney was still the commissioner of the Big Ten. He had some strength. He could go back at Greg Sankey. He could go back at Mike Slive, and they could do some things to work together. I think that Kevin Warren is a weak commissioner in the Big Ten right now. And Greg Sankey knows it, and Greg Sankey is making a power play. And I do not think, even though he's saying, oh, we don't have some grand plan, this was just an opportunity that arose, and hey, we took it, we'd be dumb. Not today. I had a little Frank Wycheck in there from back in the day. I mean, hey, come on, bud. I mean, <laughs> on, look, it's Texas, Oklahoma, Sooners, man. Come on. He obviously was going to accept this opportunity. I also think you're foolish if you believe that Greg Sankey, the mastermind behind all of this, and the, one of the, the, the commissioners that has the SEC in this, in this position to begin with, isn't looking long-term at the sport, at where it's headed, and at forming a conference that would be the English Premier League equivalent in college football. And the English Premier League will be called the SEC regardless of where their member institutions are located. This is what is arising right now. This article really hit on that. And I think that Greg Sankey is smart to look at the future of all of this. I've said it before. I don't necessarily think that anyone has what's best for college football in mind in this. It's, it's the game of risk right now. It is the game of global domination. And while college football is not a global sport, Greg Sankey's out in it to win it. He wants to conquer. He wants to make the moves. He wants to be the new NCAA, and the SEC is the best position conference to do so. We will get into the details of Chad's super conference proposal. Uh, that's coming up shortly. First, though, big news from Tokyo and the Olympic Games and Team USA, Team USA and, and SUNY Lee. Chad, you, were, you, were you watching this live? Uh, I was not. Okay. I, I knew that it was happening this morning. See, I record... I'm probably like a lot of people. I have a system where I record the Olympics in prime time every yes. night. I even add yes. the 30 minutes on for the live event at the end of it. Yep. I started about an hour and 15 minutes late, and I start fast-forwarding. And then when I get caught up, 
I may go watch a, a Netflix show or do something else, right? Then I'll jump back into it and I see everything I want. I'm not watching the preliminary heats in swimming. I didn't know if you I'm not watching some or... finals. I watch every final <laughs> in swimming. Uh, I watch gymnastics. I'm not a big diving guy, but I have a set system for watching. That set system does not involve me paying for Peacock to watch the live streaming of a gymnastics event. Instead, I'll go back and watch it later tonight after our big event tonight, yeah. which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so, no, I was not. Long answer to a, a short question, Hutton. I was not watching live, but I turned on the old Twitter machine this morning and immediately was flooded with the news that Suni Lee won the gold in the women's all-around. Which Simone Biles uh, dropped out of. Yes. And, and now Suni Lee steps in and wins gold. Uh, I can't wait to see this replayed and, and see the reaction and how, and how she goes about doing this. I, I don't know much of the details uh, because I'm like you, I, it, everything's on DVR and it's all recorded and you're going back and trying to watch live. It is impossible to watch the Olympic Games and not know what happens on the major sports. You just can't do it. Suni Lee, by the way, is going to be a freshman at Auburn this fall. She just graduated <laughs> high school. And just one, uh, and this is common in, in gymnastics. You know, 18 is probably your prime age uh, in that sport. But it's going to be a freshman at Auburn. It's a terrific story. Um, we're going to focus well, more on this story. And I know a lot of people are going to make the Simone Biles tie into it. Simone Biles is there rooting on her teammate. You know, good for her with that. This is really cool. I, I mentioned this with Jordan Childs, who had to step up and go through an event that she wasn't planning on doing when Simone Biles backed out. SUNY Lee came into this competition today qualifying third. Now, Simone Biles, even with the, the mental issues and everything else, and even with her not doing very well in qualification, still qualified first. So I think she probably would have been fine in this competition had she pushed forward. Uh, a Brazilian gymnast qualified second. Suni it's Lee, extremely close. It was, it was back and forth, and Suni Lee barely edged out the Brazilian gymnast. Well, what this is. To, to win the gold. But what a great story. Well, the story and, is. And it shows the power of uh, USA Gymnastics in the world. She, she takes over the mantle of Team USA Gymnastics now. Yeah. Uh, four years early. Because this was going to be Simone Biles' final Grand run. Grand send-off. They're going for the three-peat. And then... In Tokyo, we, we know how the story plays out. Lee steps in and wins gold four years earlier than when she would have prepared to go and do this individual floor exercise. That That's the storyline. Is She can now do the three-peat at her age. You said she's going to be a freshman? She's going to be a freshman yeah. at, at Auburn. Um, really cool story. By the way, fifth straight all-around gold for U.S. women in gymnastics, which is incredible. I'm sure some saw it on NBC last night. They had the profile of her dad who had the accident where he was cutting down a tree and it fell on him and he was, he was paralyzed from the waist down and how that happened. I think right before she was in the World Championships in 2019, uh, she was hearing about it while she was in the World Championships. Really cool story uh, with Suni Lee. And th that's the story now to me, right? I mean, that's – Simone Biles is going to be the name and the storyline that everyone remembers from this Olympics, but – when you're looking for those true Olympic moments of people stepping up and, and delivering, I'm going to remember the way the U.S. women performed after she withdrew, and I'm going to remember Suni Lee stepping up and surprising and winning all-around gold. So uh, I was really happy to log on to Twitter this morning and, and see that news. Chad, give us an idea of what we're, what we're headed into tonight at the uh, 
the meet and greet and uh, the night out with Outkick 360. We're going to be at 6th and Peabody, and we are packed full with Outkick VIPs that will be joining us. Yeah, we've got a full list of, uh, of VIPs, but uh, if you would like to join us, you certainly can swing by and say hi at 6th and Peabody tonight, 6 to 8 p.m., uh, Old Smoky Yeehaw, that facility, for those that know, the, know it by that name better. You can uh, DM us. You can mention us on Twitter. Let us know that you're going to be there. Uh, we've got a, uh, a private room set aside for our VIPs. We will have the Olympics on, on a big screen television. Uh, we've got some arcade options, I think, in this room also. So it's going to be a really fun night. Come hang out with us. And uh, we've got some season ticket holders, Hutton, that yeah. we know will be in attendance. Looking forward to it tonight. And always love uh, partnering with 6th and Peabody and looking forward to going out there for this event this evening. Coming up, Withrow gives us his SEC Super Conference Blueprint. That is straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Right now, FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's where you can go and sign up for FanDuel, and you can place your first bet with FanDuel and the Olympic Games. You can also get great offers. Bet $10, get $100. Bet $20, get $200. When a new user signs up, deposits, and places their first bet on any Olympics market. This is not two separate offers, but one where you can choose how much you want to bet. You sign up at FanDuel.com slash OK360. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel Sportsbook. Super conference discussion galore across this country uh, for college football and in college athletics in general. Texas and Oklahoma are going to be voted through to the, to the SEC today. They're meeting on that today as a conference. And with that in mind, Withrow brought in a, a great layout and a super conference plan for further expansion because he and I both agree, they're not stopping at 16. There's no reason ESPN would want them to stop at 16 whenever their TV agreement goes into place in 2025. And with that in mind, Chad, you're, you're starting this, this concept by branching out to 20. Yeah, and credit where credit is due. Uh, the basis for my plan was what Clint Lamb from OutKick laid out. We had him on last week to discuss Which it. Which was thorough. Thorough, and it was the, the four-pod, four-division plan with the now existing 16 teams that will be in the conference with Oklahoma and Texas coming into it. I went ahead and said, what are some reasonable teams that you could go get right now if you're the SEC? Now, there will be some debate about what's reasonable and what they could actually do. I'm just eliminating the Big Ten from this discussion. I think it's very uh, expensive if a team wanted to get out of the Big Ten. I also think the Big Ten is most well-positioned for success outside of the SEC. So for those purposes, I eliminated the Big Ten. Um, Let's look at it, and this is what the, the new conferences look at look like if you were to add one team into each division of Clint Lamb's plan at OutKick. So in the SEC East, Florida, LSU, Georgia, South Carolina. Clemson is a natural. I'm looking at this from a brand and a football perspective. Keep this in mind. The last time realignment happened in 2011, Cable network and market size were much bigger factors than they are right now. Example, Maryland and Rutgers, they're not getting in the Big Ten in 2021. They got in in 2011 because they looked around and said, oh, now we get the New York market and we get Baltimore and D.C. 
with Maryland, even though people in those markets probably don't really care about Maryland or Rutgers as much as they would want to say. They're just wanting to add TV markets. TV markets, less of a factor. So Clemson, not a great TV market, obviously, but an enormous brand and a lot of football cachet. They make sense to add to the SEC. Keep in mind also the ACC, it's 15 years left on their grant of rights agreement. I still think it would be easier for ACC programs to leave as opposed to the Big Ten. And I think it makes more sense because, as I said before, I believe the Big Ten is set up for more success than the ACC. Let's go to the SEC West. This is sort of an old Southwest Conference Big Eight scenario. Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M. The program I'm adding out of the Big 12, Oklahoma State. Again, market size doesn't matter as much. It's about football. It's about brand. It's about amount of fans. For that reason, I'm adding Oklahoma State. They can stop bitching to the state of Oklahoma about Oklahoma leaving them because in my plan, they're going to the SEC as well. They'll join this new SEC West. SEC South, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, perfect fit. Alabama, Auburn, perfect fit. You keep both Mississippi schools together, both Alabama schools together, and you add the Florida State Seminoles. Florida State is not an AAU accredited university. <laughs> you know who doesn't give a damn about <laughs> AAU accredited universities? The Southeastern Conference. They're not being considered for a Big Ten expansion because they only allow AAU-accredited universities. They don't care in the SEC. They care about money. They care about sports success. They care about brand. Florida State has all of that, especially in football. They're in the, the new SEC South. SEC North, and this is where people will be mad at me and say, oh, well, you're really cutting Tennessee a break, your alma mater. Look, I didn't create the United States map. I'm doing something that makes sense geographically uh, with what we're doing, and, and that's also part of this in my consideration. I wanted to do some things that made some sense geographically, makes it a little bit neater that way. SEC North, Tennessee, Vandy, Kentucky, Missouri. I'm adding West Virginia to the SEC. There's a lot of talk right now about West Virginia and Cincinnati making a play for the ACC. West Virginia leaving the Big 12, Cincinnati leaving to go to the ACC. They tried, Cincinnati did, when the ACC admitted Louisville before. West Virginia, again, not taking in mind the market size because it doesn't matter as much with streaming options becoming more and more prevalent. Huge fan base, SEC, SEC mentality, good brand. I think West Virginia makes a ton of sense for the SEC and not many people are talking about the Mountaineers in this, in this expansion. But this would give you a 20-team super conference that I believe would be positioned well. It makes sense from a cultural standpoint, brand standpoint, and first and foremost, from a football standpoint. Now, I look at the SEC North, and the other money-making sport is, is college, men's college basketball. And I think while the SEC North may be lacking compared to the other divisions in football cachet, that's a pretty damn good basketball conference you got with Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Vandy, and West Virginia all battling out in the same men's basketball conference. Next graphic we're going to go to, this goes in line with what I'm talking about, Hutton, in terms of streaming services and how profitable this is going to be for the foreseeable future. Take ESPN markets out. Take local markets out of it. 
and I've put some examples up there. Disney Plus is eight bucks a month. ESPN Plus, six ninety nine a month. WWE Premium Streaming, four ninety nine a month. I think what Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, WWE, what they're priced at monthly right now, are good comparison points because ESPN is owned by Disney mm-hmm. for one. ESPN is a part of this college football takeover that they've already been a part of it. So it would make sense as to what they're charging the consumer for those products. And now if I go back and tell you all these things in mind, what they charge monthly, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vandy, Missouri, West Virginia, Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida State, Florida, Georgia, LSU, South Carolina, Clemson, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State. Combine those fan bases and add to that fan base, all of those fan bases, people who are interested in the sports that those teams play. And Hutton, you tell me what you could charge for that product. If you move 90% of the inventory, let's say there was uh, two games of the week, one on ABC, one on ESPN in college football, and moved everything else to a streaming service as part of this, what you could charge a month and how many subscriptions you would have with those teams. I mean, look, if it's a separate streamer, I I view this initially, my initial thought was you can charge exactly what ESPN is charging per subscriber if you are a DirecTV subscriber, if you're on Comcast Xfinity. They're charging a little over $7 of your monthly cable bill right now just so you can receive ESPN and the channels. So first glance at at that graphic, I'm, I'm charging whatever Disney Plus is charging. And I'm looking at ESPN Plus and having a separate tab that's SEC Plus. Yep. And I'm charging exactly what the premium programming would be on Disney or, or through ESPN Plus that would come with that subscription. I think people would pay that. Um, and, and beyond that, if, I, if I'm the SEC and, the, and ESPN, I'm going to the college football playoff. I'm going to these bowl games and I'm saying, look, we can have our own tournament. We can add four more teams to the 20-team pod. And we can build out and create our own national champion now. What, what value would that have if you had Alabama taking on Texas and Georgia taking on Florida in a semifinal matchup to determine who would go play for the title in the SEC? And, and the eyeballs and the money generated. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars worth of money generated on that tournament alone. I, I think the, the, the idea and the concept of the nationwide college football playoff, these guys are greedy enough to think that they could create their own college football playoff, and college football would resonate within their own conference. Absolutely, and you are also getting closer and closer to what would be an NFL-type model, to a 30-32 team centrally governed body of a sport where you have your own self-sufficient playoff. Um, Patrick on the YouTube chat says you could charge a bunch September to December, after that, not so much. You would have people that would jump on board for football season only. But you're still getting $8 a month from all of those fan bases. And then everyone else that cares about college football, they're going to have to have this to watch the product. They're going to pay for it. So even if it's a four-month proposition, let's say, for football season, think of the money that you could print with that. I also think that people sign up for things and they don't unsubscribe. Uh, so you're going to keep it year-round. That's year absolutely round. true. They're not going to, oh, I'll watch through basketball and then I'm going to take off the summer. 
people for the most part are just going to leave it. And I also think that you start to take away, and this is something that ESPN would have to decide because they'd be the ones probably owning and providing the, the streaming service separate of ESPN Plus. You will take away from ESPN Plus. The, the, you, have to, you have to factor in the fans that are going to take away their ESPN Plus subscription to now go and pay for the SEC. Still going to make a lot more money with this. And not only that, Hudden, I think you take away from Hulu. I think you take away from Peacock. I think you take away from Netflix. Think of the Alabama and Auburn fans and Arkansas fans and LSU fans that if they are on an entertainment budget like most of America, that will sacrifice Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever it takes in order to pay 10 bucks a month, let's say, year-round for SEC+. Plus and to get their team's games year-round. I, I believe the way the world is headed, and that this is the way the three of us on this show, that we headed, it's going digital. It's going away from cable subscriptions. It's going away from television. It's not going to be completely eliminated ever. That's why you keep a couple of big games on television throughout the year. Every Saturday, you're going to see two or three big SEC games on TV. The rest... Put it on a subscription streaming network, make bukus of cash off of that streaming network, and watch everyone else continue to fall even more behind. To me, this is the next step now after Texas and Oklahoma. These teams, again, I'm taking aside Big Ten. I think those teams are less attainable. Notre Dame is someone I considered. I think Notre Dame is going to be in the Big Ten before long. I really do. This would make a lot of sense from a cultural financial, geographic standpoint. So let's dive in to, and if we can, Jacob, put the graphic up with all the teams and the pods for a moment, because I want to go through how, Chad, you selected the, the, the newcomers, the four that are not joining the conference to this point, right? Clemson's a no-brainer, completely with you. Um, I understand uh, Florida State. We have discussed Florida State for years in the Southeastern Conference. Oklahoma State, is that just the natural fit because they fit so well in that West region? Yeah, and I think I also looked at fan base. When I say cultural, I I describe that as a fan base that is not um, passive with it. In other words, there are a lot of college fan bases that just turn it off when their team's not performing well and turn it back on when they are. These are SEC-like fan bases. Clemson, Florida State, Oklahoma State. I know a lot of Oklahoma State fans. Me too. West Virginia. These are not passive fan bases. Yeah, you're right. They are paying for that subscription network regardless. Wherever they are in America, they are going to get the SEC subscription streaming service because they're watching their teams no matter what. And there's not a lot of people want to talk about the passion of college sports, and it's there and it exists. But outside of the four teams I'm adding to this SEC, outside of the Big Ten and not even all the Big Ten, in some ACC programs, it's not universal, right? There's not, uh, Greg Sankey had a great quote where he said, when you look at the passion and the pressure inside of this conference in football that coaches, that players face, it's not universal across college football. We cannot have the Pac-12 making decisions for the SEC because it's different places, it's different things. Priorities are totally different. I... So let's get to the fourth pod with West Virginia. My initial thought when I saw West Virginia is I I would switch out West Virginia for Virginia Tech in in this idea. 
Virginia Tech, people forget they have an over they have over a one billion dollar endowment at Virginia Tech. Uh, that's compared to around seven hundred million at West Virginia. Look, I, under, I understand that's still a ton of money uh, in West Virginia in, in revenue. I think they're top forty, top forty five for athletic uh, programs across the country. But Virginia Tech can swing a big stick. And when it comes to football, uh, and I know you're, you're thinking West Virginia from a basketball stance here too, I think no, regardless of who you bring in uh, to, to, to make a 20-team super conference, the SEC basketball programs are already really good. They're already miles above where they were four years ago. And to me, the rising tide raises all ships. It helps all programs on, on the hardwood. I, I am looking at this from the monetary value of college football and what I can control from the college football playoff perspective, which is expanding, how many teams I'm putting into that pod, knowing that, and at least I haven't thought it out thoroughly, knowing that the, the college basketball March Madness tournament is going to be relatively shaped the same as it is today. I think it's going to be hard to change that structure of that tournament. By adding teams in... And none of us and, want that changed either. Absolutely not. Uh, but, but adding teams in and, and changing the concept and the structure of a college football playoff, you have more control with what you're putting together right now as a super conference. There's more money involved in that to be earned by these networks and by the individual conferences and the teams. So I'm, I'm viewing this, while it's, it is about the program, I'm viewing this as a football decision and maybe that's because we're here in the heart of SEC country and it's football 24-7. I can't help but view it from that lens. And for that reason, I'm looking more towards Virginia Tech than I would be West Virginia because I'm not factoring in basketball all that much. It's a good point. And two programs I looked hard at outside of West Virginia, Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Now, the thought with North Carolina is they'll never leave Duke. So it's kind of a package deal. North Carolina and Duke would go together. I don't know that I'd buy that. Yeah. Duke's a private school. Uh, they're not beholden to each other. I Although, think North Carolina would do what they Texas wanted. Texas and Oklahoma that. have been feuding for years, too. True. Um, but he, here's my reason with West Virginia, and this is a factor I, I didn't mention originally. It's easy. Their conference is dead, right? It, you could go pick. I'm looking at Big 12 schools. I wanted to mix two Big 12, two ACC into this because you know you could have Oklahoma State and West Virginia right this second. Yes. Because their conference is dead. Yes. And if they don't want to join the AAC – like what the ESPN's trying to get them to do, they would do this in a heartbeat. Clemson, Florida State are the tougher pulls out of this because of their grant of rights agreement for the next 15 years, because their conference, the current conference, is in better shape. Hutton, I do agree with you, though. If you wanted to go into a state, North Carolina, Virginia are the two states that make the most sense, not West Virginia. And I'm not talking about, again, this is not a TV market decision no. as much as recruiting yep. is way better in those states, if you want to have a, your expand your footprint, you're wanting to go into one of those two states or both before you go to West Virginia. But to your point, yes, I looked hard at Virginia Tech. I looked hard at North Carolina. I think the tipping point for me was I wanted to go two and two with Big 12 ACC schools, mm -hmm. and West Virginia would be an easy one to go get right now. And I think culturally it makes it makes sense. But yes, I if I'm Greg Sankey. And you're asking me, uh, ideally, what states do you want to go into? It would be Virginia 1, North Carolina 2. Really close, though. You could flip-flop the two. Did you consider Miami over Florida State? No, not at all. 
Miami, I think people get confused. Miami culturally does not fit the SEC. They do not have a big fan base. They do not have a passionate fan base. They have a small fan base, and they, they do have some passion behind it. They have a hard time getting people to go to games. It's private school. At Miami, it, 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 absolutely. It's a private school. Um, not that the, the SEC would never be interested in, in private schools. They would. I just think Florida State makes a heck of a lot more sense for the SEC than Miami. I, I love it. And, look, they're not stopping at 16. they foolish to do so right now because they can make their own rules, their own structure, their own regulations. Uh, when the NCAA and, and Mark Emmert officially stepped back from the NIL and, and stopped being the regulatory body for this, and they said they're leaving it up to the institutions, the, the universities, and the conferences to compose their own rules uh, and, and structure of how to handle this state to state. Uh, this opened the door for the, the true visionaries and the leaders to step forward and grab up that brass ring. You had the WWE Network up there. Vince McMahon talks about grabbing the brass ring. Uh, that, that's what the SEC's been doing, but they, they've officially done it with the step forward. And Chad, why stop at 20? Why not add four more? Add eight more. I mean, you could, again, you can control your own college football championship. So, what would, let, let let's me, go let back me, to your original I, I question. Wanna, I, I'm crunching numbers over here, is what I'm doing right now. So, it's actually, I'm thinking about other, there's other things popping in my mind as we get going. So, it's a, it's a little over $7 per month for ESPN, ESPN only. For the entire network package of ESPN, you're paying a little over $9 per month on your direct TV bill, as I look it up. Um, what would outprice the common, the average football fan from getting premium content? And keep in mind too, I mean, uh, these networks that are charging the the digital space, they're they're putting they're putting programming on cable. They're putting programming over broadcast. I mean, ESPN's putting programming on ABC, but you can still get premium content through ESPN Plus. You could do that through the SEC network. You have to subscribe to the SEC network to get certain content, but they're still putting SEC games on ESPN and CBS. What could you What could you charge and still put your product across all platforms? And I think it's somewhere between six to nine dollars. I month. agree. So, and this is just quick math on my part with this. Um, ESPN Plus has added 14 million subscribers over the last two years. That's 14 million. The population of Texas right now is a little over 30 million people. You've got Texas and Texas A&M now in this conference. And, and this would not be the number, but let's just say it's a third of the state. Let's say 10 million people, just in Texas alone, 10 million people were to subscribe to whatever we're calling it, the SEC streaming service for $8 a month. That's $80 million dollars. That's $80 million from the state of Texas alone. Now we're going to go into the two biggest schools in Florida. You're going to go to LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia. Think of these fan bases in these states that would sacrifice other entertainment options to be a subscriber to this SEC streaming service to watch these games. And think about the money that would pile well, up for the streaming so service. So Disney and ESPN, they're paying the SEC starting in 2025, $300 million per year for the rights. And just off that subscription base alone, you're getting a third of that back. And that's just in Texas. That's just me, right. rough estimate. Right. That's a third of the state of Texas. Right. That's just Texas. I think you make that money back 
before you sell advertising. Uh, and again, I, I, I'm, I believe I'm being conservative. I think you make $300 million you're spending or more just based on the subscriptions and all of the advertising. In every ancillary part of the deal, you would make more money on top of that if you're the SEC or if you're ESPN, and then the SEC continues to rake in money. And what was CBS paying, or what are they currently paying? It's like $5 million a season or it, something. It was it's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah, it was way lower. Just nuts. Yeah. Nuts. And this takes over in 2025. I, I don't know how the, the buyout would work for a television contract. It, the, the CBS is making a ton of money off the SEC and the current structure. Uh, I, I would be hesitant to allow that contract to buy itself out, especially with the, the way things are playing out uh, in the digital space, um, and, and make sure I have premium content on Saturday afternoons until the contract runs out. But still, um, you know, could ESPN start things early? Could Texas and Oklahoma join the conference earlier? Like, I don't, I don't know the, the monetary aspect of this, of what it would cost to get out of the Big 12 early instead of having four lame duck seasons knowing that you're moving into the ESPN space. Let me say this also, because this has been a big reaction uh, and in great chat today on, on YouTube and on Twitter. Everyone immediately jumps to Tennessee having it easy. Boy, that real, <laughs> Tennessee would love this. Man, Tennessee would love that. The same people that are bitching about that have been claiming for years <laughs> that Tennessee is no more relevant than every team in that division. Oh, Vandy's more relevant. Kentucky's more relevant in football. Missouri's more relevant. All these programs are more relevant. You can't have it both ways. Either I just made a very fair division based on relevance according to you, or you're lying to yourself, and the fact that you're immediately reacting to Tennessee having it easy shows that you know Tennessee will be back at some point, and you fear that down the line. You can't have it, but it's just hilarious to me that people immediately get upset with where Tennessee is, and it's all the same people that are saying, boy, you know, uh, Kentucky's more relevant in football than Tennessee. No, they're not. That's why you react this way to Tennessee being in that division. Look inside yourself and figure that out. So let me, let me run through another concept separate from the 20 team. This is for the 16 team once Texas and Oklahoma jump in, okay? A proposal for you, a moneymaker. I'm adding more content for, for the cable properties. You, you play your pod, you have your, your three-team pod yearly. Your four-team pod, you, have, you, you play two other pods of four in, in, for four straight years. So it's a rotate NFL-type model, okay? Four-year cycle. And to make it feasible on the student-athletes, you start the season earlier in August. You schedule two bye weeks for every school. Um, so you have increased rest throughout the season. This model, in, in this model, Chad, I'm doing an all-SEC schedule. You get 12 games of regular season conference-only action. Four winners of the pods, they go to a four-team SEC playoff. The two semifinal games, think about the hundreds of millions that's worth. The championship, the brand inventory, the brand new inventory for ESPN and beyond. Uh, in theory, you could have Texas and Alabama playing Florida and Georgia or whomever, and you have four of the biggest brands in the nation fighting for the SEC championship on your network exclusively. Now, what you do beyond that, uh, maybe they go into a college football playoff and play for the national title, or you just declare them champion. But you have the all-SEC schedule that, that then leads into the postseason in a bowl game. 
where you don't play any out of conference, all the money stays within the conference. You're not paying schools to come in and get a win. You're you're gearing trying to get in and win your pod to get to the fourteen playoff. It's a great. I mean, it's I, awesome. But you create two but extra games. Yeah, I mean, you're not just two extra games, but two extra games that everyone's going to watch. The playoff. If you're yeah, a football you're right. fan, you're watching those games, and the numbers will be extraordinary for those games. But also as the the fee that ESPN can charge cable companies for their product on cable, it's going to go down and down as television ratings go down, right? This is the way all these companies will supplement, is with streaming services. And to me, this is a no-brainer that you break off an well, SEC portion of ESPN Plus and make it your own thing. I, I love the discussion because now, okay, if you're the SEC, if you're Sankey and you're, you're, you're gathering all the minds for, for football, Right now, the limit is 25 scholarships a year. What if the SEC said, you know what, our limit's 40? You can add 40. We're going to raise the limit. We're going to raise rosters. SEC has a 40-man acquisition for scholarships per season. What's the NCAA going to do about that? If if you're going to this model anyway where you're going to play your own conference and you're going to create your own champion. They, they They can't do anything. I mean, I, th- I don't. They can declare whatever they want at this point. Right. I mean, and, and you know the fact that you can pay student athletes now, according to the Supreme Court, what's to stop the SEC from having a salary cap structure? Yeah, from and, paying on top of a scholarship. Right. This is where it gets tricky, though, because we've completely lost sight of the the school part of this. And I think as Americans, as we start to devalue education more and more, and that's really what's happening because higher education is now seen more as a, an albatross of debt than it is something everyone needs to do. Um, so the old school is, boy, you know, I'd love to have my school paid for to go play football. And I, I would. I'm, I'm of that thinking that it's great and it's a value to have your full ride or, or scholarships paid for to go to school. There are a lot of people who don't care and don't care about the education and they want to go do something they don't need a college degree for anyways. So those that don't care, Hutton, now we're starting to get into exceptions for non-school members. So you could have up to 25 people you pay that aren't even going to school. Their obligation is to get paid to show up to practice and games. They're not even members of the institution. That's where it gets really crazy, but don't think for a second that it's not ever going to get to that point, because it might. Coming up, we will discuss what was so refreshing about Aaron Rodgers and the press availability yesterday with the Green Bay Packers. Just around the corner, we go live to Titans training camp with the very latest uh, on what the Titans have been up to today in the Tennessee Power Hour. Kuharski will join us live. Um, Real quick, though, a quote from Steve Spurrier, who has uh, jumped in on his thoughts on Texas moving to the SEC. Quote, they can't win the Big 12 anyway. Steve Spurrier. Got to love the uh, old ball coach. The old ball coach with a, with a great line. Uh, we are live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, Blackbird Studio and the Blackbird Academy. You can go to school here at the Blackbird Academy. Nine world-class studios. We're in one of them daily. Theblackbirdacademy.com. Over 14,000 uh, square feet of rehearsal space. You see there over 14,000 mics, 50 amps, 70 guitars, 65 full drum kits, they have it all. Uh, you can, they have a rental facility here for equipment, lighting rigs, audio rigs, much, much more. And more importantly, again, you can learn how to do it all, both in studio and on the road for musicians, concerts, and the like. Visit theblackbirdacademy.com.
Outkick 360 across the Outkick network coming up in about five minutes. We'll go live to Titans training camp with Paul Kaharski's latest news and notes. Ryan Tannehill uh, and the quarterbacks in general apparently didn't have a very good day. Uh, Vrabel has commented on the kicking competition for the Titans and much more. We'll get to uh, Julio Jones and a lawsuit uh, that Chad is reading through right now. Uh, we watched after the show went and watched the Aaron Rodgers press conference and the press availability in Green Bay where he, he joined the team and will play in 2021. And and much like all national media that were live tweeting the presser yesterday, I found it extremely refreshing what he had to say. He was open, honest, clarified a lot of issues. Um, Gutenkist uh, this morning admitted that Randall Cobb's on the roster because Aaron Rodgers wanted him here. They didn't trade him for any trade for him for any other reason. Chad, I, I found it refreshing for this reason. This is really, if, if, you, if you think about what has played out this offseason, not just with Rodgers, but with, with disgruntled players who feel they, they want more with their contract. You know, they're threatening holdouts, they're demanding trades. They're all in camp. And not just the quarterbacks, but players in general. Xavier Howard, Zach Ertz has been on the trade block for months. He's in camp. Um, Chandler Jones in Arizona, he reported on time because there's a mandatory $50,000 fine. That, that $50,000 mandatory fine this time of year, and I, we went through it yesterday, but just briefly, teams can't just pro, uh, retroactively erase and forgive the fine when the player arrives. You could have done that in the past. You can just say, you know what, no harm, no foul, handshake agreement, you're here, here's the contract details we're going to erase the fine. Or they just bump that fine on the back end of a contract as an extra bonus. You get the money back. That doesn't happen anymore. It's mandatory. It's out of their paycheck through the league. The, with that in mind, think about the leverage that is removed from even the top players in the National Football League. Aaron Rodgers reported. Um, he, he reported they worked out some agreement with this contract, but it also had something to do with that $50,000 fine. He could afford it, but I'm sure he didn't want to pay it unless he absolutely had to. He would have retired. Deshaun Watson, same thing. He is there not because he wants to be the quarterback of the Houston Texans, not because he's eligible to play through the NFL. He's there so he will not get fined. They're all following that Marshawn Lynch quote. They're there so they don't get fined. With that in mind, the leverage that the quarterbacks have, I'm not saying every player, the, the, the top 15 to 20 quarterbacks in the National Football League, their leverage is brutal honesty in front of the media, in front of the cameras, refreshing detail in front of the cameras on the organizational structure and moves or move, moves you like or mo maybe more importantly don't agree with. This goes back years with Rodgers, with what he had to say about how he was or was not included in conversations. And he admitted, look, I, I don't have final say over anything. But I want some say and some opinion on the direction of the organization. I want to be included. I want to be valued. That's the leverage that Rodgers has, is standing in front of the microphone on a weekly basis, which he's obligated to do through the CBA and through the, the NFL agreements with the media, and speak openly and honestly. And, and he did that yesterday. I, I loved everything he had to say. Don't necessarily agree with every detail that he, he laid out there. But I love that he was forthright and forthcoming on what has happened this offseason and, and years past. With that in mind, Chad, if more players would be more open and honest in these settings 
and specifically more quarterbacks instead of the organizational, team-friendly, one-for-all tone, uh, which is good in team sports, but not good all the time for the individual player. I don't know what other leverage they have to this point. Russell Wilson, for instance, contemplated, I, I believe, contemplated doing what Rodgers did yesterday. He hasn't done it to that extent. But if Russell Wilson did that in Seattle, think about the leverage he would have over the organization. The only thing I can think of, the reason that they wouldn't do it, is they feel like it negatively affects them with their teammates, if they're overly honest. But, but Rodgers... But what is the fear from a coach but or think GM about it. if you're Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson... Or Ryan Tannehill with the Titans. Some of these players... Think about it from Rodgers' perspective, They're not going to retaliate on He them. admitted yesterday, he's like, look, no one wants to come to Green Bay because it's Green Bay. They're coming to play with me. Right. And, it, and, and he's mentioning players that got low-ball offers that were willing to take pay cuts um, that could have stayed with him and on their offense or defense and played an extra year or two. He, he's viewing it as... They lost out on talent due to low-ball offers and structure and management and what they valued instead of bringing back talent, even at an 80 or 90% level instead of 100%. Um, Charles Woodson is one that he, he noted. He's like, look, they gave him a low-ball offer. He went to Oakland, still performed at a high level. 70% Charles Woodson is better than a 100% backup corner in the National Football League. Rodgers is viewing it as opportunities missed instead of the one Super Bowl he won. And that's the leverage and clout that he brings to the organization. Not everybody can do that. The average NFL player can't bring that open and, and honest approach. But the top-tier guys can. And that was what was so refreshing about the way Rodgers handled things yesterday. I'd like to see more of that. Uh, someone in the YouTube chat is saying, players' leverage now is disrupting the locker room and becoming a distraction. I just don't know what the retaliation is for Aaron Rodgers if you're a coach. If you're Matt LaFleur and, hey, man, you are way too open in that press conference, to Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. Players now know they have the cards in certain circumstances. There, there's about If they want to go and be honest. It's the quarterbacks. If, yeah, if, it's the quarterbacks. We, we but always, it's also, I mean, there maybe, you know, Derrick Henry wanted to be honest yeah. with the media and say things that would anger his coaches and his GM, he could do so without recourse. Right. What are they going to do? Well, see, Are you going to bench me? Well, you can do that with the team. I, from a CBA stance, though, the quarterbacks are the group that would be the driving force in getting a better collective bargaining agreement on behalf of the players. We mentioned the $50,000 fine. The NFL negotiated that into the recent CBA negotiation structure. If the quarterbacks as a group would band together and demand certain things during that negotiation, the entire league would be better off. Derrick Henry can't do that because the running back group as a whole isn't that strong as a group. But the quarterback group is the driving force of the entire league, and, and that's where the leverage really exists. And, you know, maybe he doesn't do this uh, to, to quite this extent where he stands up and is just, you know, an open book. But yesterday was cool because that's, that's what we all deserved having – followed this story, not just over the last six months, but what we will be doing moving forward down the path of discussing that over the next six months going into the next offseason. The Titans hoping to do some big things over the next six months. They're in practice number two, coming off their 11-win season, uh, back in camp with a high-powered offense and what fans hope is a much-improved defense. Paul Koharski checks in live from Titans Training Camp next for the Tennessee Power Hour on OutKick 360.
Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.